you are tuned into our worship service at Friendship Baptist Church in Mont Alban, Texas. We believe God desires to meet you right now in the hearing of His Word. We are a small town church, but we're seeing a big size God, and we are excited for you to be a part of it today. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Y'all may be seated. It's good to be in the house of the Lord where He is 
worshiped, where he is lifted high. And, and I'm excited we get to do that together today. What a blessing. What a blessing it is to be here. And so I want to, first off, just um, we've had uh, the Dias family that we've been loving on this weekend. And uh, they are walking through um, Ricky's passing of his mother. And um, we've been praying for y'all. We love y'all. Um, they gave us a card I wanted to read to you today. It says, we want to thank each of you that helped us through this past week. With the passing of Rick's mom, the visits, the food, which was excellent, the cards, and the phone calls. We appreciate it all. We love our church. Rick and Joyce Dyson. Isn't it good to be a part of a church, y'all? I love our church. I love the fact that we are able to love one another. And when we're grieving, we grieve together. When we're rejoicing, we rejoice together. It's a blessing to be a family. Well, as a family, we're going to continue in worship. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus, and we're going to worship today. Father, we love you. God, I pray that you prepare our hearts. God, I pray that you speak today. God, through our songs that we sing that tell of the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus. Lord, through the preaching of your word, opening up the living word of God that's active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, that it might pierce. Lord, it might pierce our hearts. God, today, would you pierce our hearts with your word, Lord Jesus? Would you speak to us, God? Lord, we don't want to be in this place just to be here. God, we desire to be in your presence. We desire to be with one another, lifting up the name of Jesus, experiencing the presence of Jesus. And so, God, would you be here with us today? I believe you are. I believe we'll be able to recognize you as you speak, as you move in our own hearts, as you woo our souls, Lord. Father, we lean into you. We trust you, Lord Jesus. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. We stand and worship.
church. A few announcements to get us going this morning. Um, let's see here. Disciples Fire Midweek schedule has resumed and so looking forward to um, continuing that. We had such a sweet time Wednesday night getting everybody back together and if you don't know we actually sing Kumbaya every single Wednesday night. We get in a big circle and it's the highlight of my week singing Kumbaya with all generations together and so um, looking forward to that again Wednesday. And then we have a ladies' luncheon September 16th, and that'll be uh, 11.30 to 1.30 on that day, I believe, at Bradford Cafe. I think I may have an older bulletin here, but um, the Skiles and Conrad wedding showers also September 16th here at the church. And so uh, they're registered at Walmart, Target, and Amazon. You got any tools on that registry? Oh, man, it never happens. There's a hammer on there. Okay. (laughs) Somebody make sure you get Clayton a hammer. Um, and then we have our DTBA, which is uh, Dogwood Trails Baptist Association. We have an annual meeting, but it's also a training this year, and that's going to be September 30th, and there'll be all kinds of lay training for um, any, any position you could imagine, any Sunday school teaching, um, uh, just uh, as a deacon, as a, an elder, as whatever it is. Um, there's training in all kinds of ways, even small groups, discipleship, um, it could pertain to you. So looking forward to that. October 1st through the 5th, there's a tent revival at the Anderson County Youth Livestock um, arena there, looking forward to uh, getting some more details on that. And then on the 14th, so right after that, um, on the 14th, there's an opportunity that um, we have as a church to partner with a bunch of other people. And so a bunch of other churches, a bunch of other um, uh, businesses at the Anderson County Livestock Arena as well to help raise funds for the um, Rock Bottom Ranch ladies. And so they're right here. We're excited they're here with us today. And uh, We'll be providing a meal kind of thing with a lot of others as well, and all the proceeds will go to them, trying to help them raise um, to reach their goal. So, um, can y'all hear me? Am I on? So, this song is by Hillsong, and it's called Highlands. And um, one of the members of the group was actually going through a really, really hard time in his life when he wrote this song. And he said he was just really searching for God's grace. And as he was writing the song, he actually realized that he didn't have to search for God's grace because God would meet him exactly where he was, whether he was in the valley, whether he was on top of the mountain, whether he was facing the dead, or whatever he was going through. He realized that God's grace was with him all the time. So stand with us and sing how. Oh,
Father, we love you, Lord. Lord, I believe your grace has appeared here today, Lord Jesus. It's we're in your presence. Thank you, Jesus. It's not something I want to take for granted, God. Lord, and if you're here, and we're here, then just perhaps there's something you want to say. Lord, there's something you want to speak today. And if it's simply just that the name of Jesus is beautiful, then may we hear it as loud as we can. And may we join in the choir singing, the name of Jesus is beautiful. Lord, I thank you for the promise of grace and the hope that we have therein. Lord, I thank you that you walk in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows with us. And so, Lord Jesus, whether we're on our high or whether we're in our low, we're here to hear you and you alone. So, God, prepare us for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Um, A couple of things before I get going. There's two more announcements. There's a meeting right after church for the 
missions committee, and so right after church, we'll meet um, for the missions committee, and very excited about um, walking through that, and so if you're on that committee, make sure you're part of that, and so we'll have lunch provided after this, and so looking forward to that. Second off, if you have children and you want to take them to the skate rink, um, Bodark uh, has um, rented out the skate rink on Sunday night from 5 to 7 p.m. You say, what if I don't have children, and it's been years since I got my rollers, and I want to get them out? All power to you. Um, I want pictures. Uh, but I uh, just want to make sure you got those announcements and, and, and you're good to go. You can go ahead and take your Bibles and turn them to Exodus 19 with me. And as you're turning there, I want to ask you something. What do you do when you know someone's coming over, when you know that you're going to have company? What do you do? Clean the house. All right, you clean the house. You're absolutely. You clean the house. You, get some, you make some preparations. Well, first off, it probably depends on who it is. Yeah. Like if somebody comes over that you know and that you, you're really comfortable with, you may not do anything. But if somebody comes over that perhaps is somebody that, that you don't get to meet with regularly or somebody that, that's really special in your life or whatever that may be, then maybe there's great preparations that you make. And so let me ask you another question. Let me tie it in this way. What would you do if you knew God was coming to visit you? Clean up? What would you do? Think about it. What if Jesus Calling wasn't just a book that you read every day? What if it was actually on your phone and it said, Jesus Calling, you answered it, and Jesus says, I'm coming in three days. And then on top of that, he says, and be ready when I come. Mm. What would you do? I mean, could you imagine? How would you be ready when he came? Perhaps you clean up, just like my wife said. She, anytime somebody comes over, it's a mad dash to cleaning. Um, clean up everything. And uh, I say, kids, y'all get it. I'm going outside. I'm cleaning up. I'm cutting a tree or something, right? Y'all know how it works. So you may decide to clean up. Maybe it's sweeping and mopping and cleaning, making everything spotless. Or perhaps your mind goes to, what am I going to feed Jesus? What am I going to cook for him? Will it be grandma's famous dumplings? Or will it be catfish, fried catfish like he had on the, on the, the, the beach with the disciples? Maybe I would fix some that. Or maybe you think, you know what, I need to go through my house and get rid of everything that's inappropriate. Maybe I need to go through and, and get rid of some things in my drawers, some movies, some games, go through some closets, go through some cabinets, and start throwing some things out. Are you all with me? Maybe you think, I need to just prepare a little bit for this. But that's just preparing your house. What if Jesus told you he was coming in three days? What kind of preparation would you make within your own heart? Would you get your Bible? Would you open up your Bible and say, you know what? I need to go back and read through the Gospels. I'm going to read all the Gospels right now. I need to know what Jesus said. Would you spend that time reading the Word? Would you spend more time praying? Would you be overwhelmed that Jesus is coming to your house? And the beauty and the grace that meets you in him coming. Would you offer yourself, your family, your house to him completely? Say, it's all yours. Or would you say, don't go through that door, it's locked. How would you prepare for him? What about preparing those in your family? What about your kids and your parents or your siblings or those crazy uncles we all have? Would, would you say, hey, I just want you to know, don't come over because Jesus is going to be here. Or would you say, would you please come over because Jesus is going to be here? How would you prepare? And the reason I ask you this question is because in Exodus 19, we're going to be faced with a similar situation. The Israelites are. They're going to be faced with a situation where God tells Moses, Hey, Moses, in three days I'm coming. I'm going to visit you in three days. And we're going to watch these people, the Israelites, be consecrated. They're going to be consecrated and set apart. That means to be set apart, devoted, prepared for worship. And God sets them apart. And I want to ask us a question today. With one thing we come together today to ask this one question. Are we a consecrated people? Are we a people set apart, devoted, and ready for the Lord? Are we consecrated? Father, we just come before you, Lord. and Oh, Lord, I pray that through this time in your word. God, we would examine our own hearts. And God, this question wouldn't just be a hypothetical situation of thinking about you coming to our homes. But Father, the reality that you have visited us, we're in your presence today. What kind of people are we before you right now? And Father, not only that, but there's a reality in which you said, I will return. 
Lord, that a trumpet will blare, that a shofar in the scriptures, that it will blow. And, and Lord, you will return. And how will we be before you that day? Will we be a consecrated people? Father, speak to us today. Draw us into you. May our hearts be so inclined to hear you and to be moved by you and to obey you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, excuse me, I'm just getting my voice back today, so bear with me a little bit. But I want to look at this idea of being consecrated before the Lord. The first point here is consecration starts with seeing what God has done. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, that should sound familiar. Jethro told Moses, let's rejoice in all that God has done. And we talked about that. We talked about the beauty when we celebrated our milestones together. And I want us to see that if we're going to be consecrated, set apart for the Lord, it starts with seeing what God has done. Look at it with me. Chapter 19, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Amen. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. Mm, Some things happen at Sinai, y'all. For they had departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. And so Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, Tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. The first interaction here is with Moses and God. Moses goes up to this mountain. It says that he goes up to God, which is the term Elohim. He goes up to the position, the authority, the the person of God. He goes up to God, Elohim, and it says the Lord, Yahweh, connects with him, calls him out. And and, and it's the sense of personal. He, He brings himself to personally connect with Moses to speak to him. He says, tell the people they have seen what I've done. Now, this is huge. I think we must understand that we'll never be able to consecrate ourselves. We'll never be able to set ourselves apart good enough for God on our own. That's so important to us that we understand that because as a pastor, you know what I see more and more and more and more of? People trying to set them apart for God, and they continually fall up short, fall short, fall short, fall short. So there's a better story. There's a better message. It's good news. This message that we have a God who acts first. A message that God initiates his work. That God brings about this way of setting us apart to make us holy. And this is beautiful in the scriptures. We see it in Romans all over the place. It says there's none who understand. It says there's not one who seeks God. Romans 3.11. Not one seeks God. On our own, we'll never be able to set ourselves apart. We won't even seek But thankfully, God acted first. While we were still sinners, he died a death for us. While sinners. He acted first. See what God has done. This is what God told Moses to do. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. Y'all remember what he did to the Egyptians? He obliterated them. He took them out. He plague after plague after plague completely destroyed this place. And then as they're coming and tackling, trying to come against the Israelites across the Red Sea, he drowns the whole army. He says, you saw what I did. I protected you. I, I, I took care of you. I took them out. You saw what I did to the Egyptians. And then look what it says. You have seen how I bore you on eagles' wings. Isn't that beautiful, church? He says, I... You've seen how I've literally carried you through the Red Sea. I split it open, wide open, so that you could be carried through. I put you on my wings as if an eagle, and I carried you. It makes me think of Isaiah. Y'all remember the passage? But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Absolutely. They They shall walk and not faint. He says, I've carried you. You've seen it. And then he says, you have seen how I brought you to myself. My goodness, y'all, this is probably the most overwhelming part to me. God acted first, and not only did he bring them out of slavery, not only did he bring them out of of their own destruction, their own wickedness, and their own sense of complaining, and all that happened all the way through, not only did he do all of that and bring them out of a situation, but where does he bring them to? To himself. Isn't it beautiful, brother? He says, you've seen how I've brought you to me. I've brought you to myself. They followed him by pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, 
And now they're about to meet with him on Mount Sinai. Now, I just got to thinking, church. Consecration must start with seeing what God has done. We must see that he knew us and loved us while we were still in the womb. We must see that he emptied himself by coming from heaven and coming to earth in the form of a man, taking on flesh. We must see that he knew no sin but became sin and was killed and buried after being hung on a cross. We must see that he defeated death by raising from the grave. We must see that he was rich in his mercy and he made us alive that while we were still in our trespasses and sin, dead in our trespasses and sin, we must see that whom he predestined, he called, and whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he glorified. We must see that God has done it. Amen, church? And that's what gives us hope as we come in this place. It's not about me and you saying, I've got to get my life in order. How many times have we said it? How many times have we felt it that, man, I've got to do this? But the beautiful message of Jesus, the gospel message is, no, first, look what God has done. Look what he has done. And then there is a response. There is a part. I'm not telling us we all just sit in here and say, oh, God, oh, God. No, there's a picture of when we say, oh, God, then we start walking with him and we're empowered by him. And there's a beautiful picture of walking in the steps of Christ. We must see that we're given the spirit of God as a down payment for our inheritance. See what he has done. The second thing, not only does a consecrated, to be consecrated, we must see what he's done. But second off, a consecrated people are a special obedient people. A special obedient people. Look at it with me. Verse 5. If you're there, say amen. amen. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Again, what beautiful place we see where God initiated. God speaks first. God brings deliverance first. He brings them out of slavery. And then in this time when he meets with them, he says, now that I've delivered you, obey me. Keep my commandments. You see, this is the order of grace. Deliverance, then obedience. And we get it so confused so many times. We think that to see and receive salvation and the beautiful gift of God's grace, we must obey first. But the picture of Scripture over and over again is that we'll never be able to obey without God intervening first. Praise the Lord, sister. Absolutely. Praise God for that. Praise Him that He moved first. And then when we respond, when we respond, then we get this new identity. You hear what it says? He told them, He promised them, He'd make them a special treasure in all the earth. God says, All the earth is mine. And it's you that will be a treasure to me. Man, y'all. I mean, I think about as I look at all the earth, I think, man, the redwoods would be a treasure to me. They're so beautiful. Or the Grand Canyon would be a treasure to me. All the beautiful parts of all the world that you can see. And he says, no, it's all mine. And you are the thing I treasure. Man. Not only does he promise to make them a special treasure, but he promises to make them a kingdom of priests. That they would be the people that have access to God. That they would be the people that come before God and bring others before God. He says, not only that, but I'll make them into a holy nation. They'll be set apart for the Lord's purpose. A holy nation. Man, y'all, what an honor. God brings deliverance, shows his grace, and then we respond in faith. And we get this new identity. What is this identity? He says, a treasured people, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. I can't help when I read this to not be brought to the words of Peter. When Peter alludes back to this passage, when Peter speaks to us today, and he alludes back to the promises that God made, and listen to the words of Peter. He says, but you, us, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. He says, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Did you hear what Peter says? Peter says, God promised that he would make you into a special people, and through Jesus, we are his special people. He says, God promised to make you a kingdom of priests, and and Peter says, yes, through Jesus, you are a royal priesthood. He says, God promised that he would make you into a holy nation, and Peter says, yes, through Jesus, we are a holy nation set apart for the glory of God. Man, what a blessing to be a consecrated people unto the Lord. To be set apart, to be made holy from the Lord Jesus. The third thing I want us to see today, not only are we a special obedient people, not only do we see what God has done, but the third thing here is consecration means to prepare to meet thy God. Now, thy is a good old King James word. (laughs) Prepare to meet your God. Consecration means get ready. He says, I'm coming, be ready for me. It means to prepare. Look at it with me. We're going to have several verses here. Chapter 19, verse 7. If you're there, say amen. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all the words which the Lord commanded him. And listen to verse 8. Then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. And so Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and leave you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people. And they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. You see, consecration means preparing to meet your God. Preparing to meet God. And the first step of that preparation is faith. You hear what he says? God tells Moses all this to tell to the people. Moses goes down, he tells the people, and he comes back to the Lord. And he says, this is what they said, Lord. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Isn't that a beautiful picture of faith? I mean, this is what faith is. It says, I believe you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I'm all yours, Lord. Whatever you desire, Lord. Not my will, Lord, but your will, Lord. Lord Jesus, it's you. I believe you. I trust you. So there's faith here. When God's grace meets with faith, we see this consecration. They were to wash their clothes, abstain from relations, and be ready for the third day. For when the shofar would sound, the Lord would come down. Let me ask you something. Has God's grace been met by faith in your life? Because I promise you, His grace is here. The message of Jesus and the, the, the gospel, the good news has is, is been presented. The blessing of a Jesus who left heaven, came to earth, died a death on the cross, was completely perfect and obedient and was completely holy, put himself on a cross so that he could trade his holiness with, for the wrath of our sin. That's the grace of God. Has that been met by faith in your life? So that God would set you apart, make you holy, recovering the image of God that you were created to be in the first place. Charles Spurgeon says, sanctification does not save, but salvation sanctifies. I think that's so important. Sanctification does not save. We cannot sanctify ourselves to salvation. But when there is salvation, he sanctifies. Deliverance, then obedience. What a blessing. We must remember that our consecration is only possible due to the great consecration. 
Jesus was set apart. What does it mean to be consecrated? To be set apart, devoted, and to worship. Jesus was set apart. He was set apart in the sense that from the beginning of the world, from the foundation of the world, Jesus was set apart. He was set apart when his coming was promised by all the prophets of the Old Testament. He was set apart when he was born of a virgin, escaping the seed of sin that was passed down from man to man to man since Adam and Eve. He was set apart when he was placed in a manger when the world had no room for him. He was set apart when he was called to his father's work at 12 years old in the, in the temple. And he said, I'm about my father's business. And he was lost by his parents. He was set apart. He was set apart when he was hung on the cross at Calvary. He was set apart when the tomb was left empty. He was set apart. And why? To reveal his holiness and to give us holiness in an exchange of him taking on the wrath of our sin. Man, y'all. What great consecration. Prepare to meet God. Isaiah says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me in the garments of salvation. He has clothed me with the robe of righteousness. And as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its buds, as a garden causes things that are sown to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness to praise and praise to spring forth before all the nations. What great consecration that we would be a bride adorned for her groom and so if consecration starts by us seeing what God has done his grace and then in that through that deliverance his grace is met with our faith this beautiful gift that he gives us this faith and grace meet together they collide and then we're given a new identity. We're given to the name to be a, a royal priesthood and a holy nation special to him. And he set us apart. What for? Well, I come to the end of this passage and I think through this consecration, we have the blessing of coming into his presence. Why does he set us apart? Why does he make us holy who were unholy? So that we can come into the presence of a holy God. Man, y'all. The fourth thing here today. Through consecration, we come into the presence of God. Look at it with me, verse 16. If you're there, say amen. amen. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of a trumpet was very loud and so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. And now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. It smokes ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain and the Lord called to Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down, warn the people, lest they break through and gaze at the Lord, and many of them would perish. Also, let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. And then the Lord said, away, get down and come up, you and Aaron with you. But you, but do not let the priest And the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he breaks out against them. So Moses went down and spoke to the people and spoke to them. So here we have it. Through consecration, what happens? They come into the presence of God. Here it is. I mean, God is present there with them. What an experience. I mean, an overstimulating experience. Probably thunder and lightning and, and quaking, it says. And, and, and it says that even a trumpet starts sounding louder and louder. I mean, can you imagine all that's going on? It says the place was filled with smoke because he descended like fire onto the mountain. And it was like a furnace there. Could you imagine standing at the base of this mountain, y'all? The presence of God right before them. Mm. What a beautiful moment. Verse 20 says, The Lord came down upon Mount Sinai. You see, the only way 
that the chasm between an unholy people and a holy God will ever be breached. The only way that gap will ever be crossed is if God comes down first. And what beautiful message we have that Jesus came down. And through the cross, now an unholy people can be made holy and brought into the presence of God. In fact, that's what John writes at the beginning of his gospel. He talks about the fullness we have received, grace for grace. And he says, no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, who is the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. He's declared him. So this morning, we've come to a time when God says, get ready. I'm coming. I'm coming. And we saw people consecrated before the Lord. We saw them uh, meet with God with limitations. They weren't able to go across these boundaries that were set up because of of coming and being able to gaze at the Lord. So they had limitations, but they came into the presence of God with these limitations. They were set apart, devoted, prepared for worship. And today I come back to the question I asked at the beginning. Are we a consecrated people? Are you a consecrated person? Are you set apart, prepared for God? You see, because... The Israelites were consecrated, and they got to be in the presence of God with limitations. They weren't able to go so far. In fact, if they did, they would die, it says. Me and you are consecrated, set apart through the blood of Jesus to where we can meet with God with much less limitations. We get to come into the presence of God. He dwells within us. There's a blessing of being in the presence of God, but still yet... We're given a down payment to promise us of what is to come. No limitations. This picture of being in the fullness of God's glory. And that's the day that's coming when we'll meet him in his full glory. And he's told us in the word to be alert, sober-minded, watchful. Because he's returning. That Jesus is returning. Be Ready, I am coming back. A trumpet will sound and rush in the winds of Jesus returning as he's promised over and over again in Scripture. And my question to you is, will you be consecrated that day? Will you be set apart the day that the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns? Will you be set apart? As saints, we're called saints because he's sanctifying us to meet him. As a bride is to meet his Her husband, it says in Revelation. And so if you're in Christ, what a glorious day this will be when he returns. What a glorious day. We long for it soon, Lord, soon. But if you're not in Jesus, if you have not been born again, what a day to dread and what a troublesome day to come upon you. If you're not in Christ, if there's no consecration, rather than being set apart by the blood of Jesus, you'll be set before the warrior Jesus. The Bible refers to it as as Jesus riding on a white horse with a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. And it talks about his robe being dipped in the blood of his enemies. And so church, would you hear me? Would you hear me loud and clear? Are you a consecrated people? Because if you are, a glorious day is coming that we look forward to. But if you're not, if you're not, you'll, rather than being consecrated by the blood of Jesus, you'll be massacred by Jesus from his righteous wrath that is poured out against you because of your sin that could have been paid for when his grace meets faith through the cross. Have you been consecrated before the Lord? Seeing what God has done, meet his grace with faith. Become part of a special obedient people. Prepare to meet him and rejoice in his presence. You know, growing up, I didn't ever hear about the warrior Jesus. I always heard about the loving Jesus. And I'm so thankful for the grace and love of Jesus and the picture of the cross. But if you read the rest of the story, there is a Jesus who is wrathful and has every right to be angry and will bring judgment on the world and make all things that are wrong right. 
And if you're not in Christ and you don't plead the blood of Jesus, see, consecration is less about prettying yourself up before him and making preparations to meet him. Consecration is more about pleading the blood of Jesus and holding on to the preparations he made for you. And so when that day comes, when the trumpet sounds, where are you? Are you consecrated by the blood or will you be massacred with all the blood that's dipped on his robe? Today's the day of salvation, it tells us in Scripture. Stop playing around, folks. Are you listening to me? There's too much at stake here. What do you do? You call out on the name of Jesus. You repent and turn. His grace has been made full. It's apparent. The gospel's been preached. And then by His grace, He gives this beautiful gift of faith, which we say, yes, Lord. Yes, I believe you. I trust you, Lord. And come down to this altar and say, I'm yours. I'm all in. Wherever you take me, whatever it looks like, I'm yours. I'm not holding back anymore. And be consecrated before him and let him make you holy so that you be brought into his presence. Father, we come before you right now, Lord Jesus. God, what... What honest passage of Scripture, Lord. When we look at this place of you coming down to Mount Sinai, yet they were not able to come forward, Lord, because they were a sinful people. God, they weren't able to cross the boundaries, God, because they were sinful and you are a holy God. And God, the picture throughout all of the text, all of the sacred text, Lord, which you inspired by your Holy Spirit, giving us these words of life, Lord, you tell us, Lord Jesus, that we too have fallen short of the glory of God. And that we will never cross it. We'll never be able to on our own, Lord. And so God, I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for the blood that ran down his body and dripped on the ground, Lord. Because through his blood, we find propitiation. We find that sin has been uh, uh, accounted for, Lord. That death has been defeated, Lord. And God, what great hope that gives us when we're in Christ, when we've responded to the gospel. But Father, I just believe there may be a few in here today, Lord Jesus, who's on the fence, who, who hears it logically and, and listens to it logically, but God, there's the sense of spiritual reality where they are far from you and they know they're fallen from you and they know they're not in Jesus. They know they're not born again. And Lord, I pray today through the Spirit of God, you would woo their hearts. God, draw them into you and let them finally just let their hands up and say, I'm yours, Jesus. I'm yours. God, would your grace be met with faith today? May we bow before you. If that's in salvation, oh Lord, do it. If that's just coming forward and saying, God, make me more holy. God, make me more holy. Then may we come to the altar just pleading the blood of Jesus and that there's a beautiful promise of you empowering us to walk more with you. And we lean into it, Lord. We love you, God. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Y'all stand with me. You are the sunrise. You awaken my heart. You've given me
Thanks for listening today, and we trust that you were blessed by an almighty God that loves you. Friendship loves you as well, and if you would like to talk to someone, please call the church at 903-549-2542. Again, that is 903-549-2542. God bless you.